What's cracking, everybody? My name is Smart Guy, Matt Zapali here. Hey, let's you from Dallas, Texas, and welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Goals Podcast, episode 26. Two should, by the way, from our from Chicago, you shouldn't be saying 26 too loud. It's 26 Street Disciples. But anyway, I ain't repping that. But uh, speaking of gang banging uh, and, and thugging, uh, in the studio today, if you were to Google his name, Keenan Williams, the first thing that comes up is Keenan Williams Trump comes up first. I did that experiment here this morning. But before all that, Keenan Williams had a troubled youth, which led him down a path of drugs, of crime, and landing him in prison. And instead of allowing himself to be defeated by circumstance, he devoted himself to self-improvement through education. Read 200 books on etiquette, integrity, parenting, ethics, business, career, and success. Gave his life to Christ, amen, hallelujah. Being taken college classes in prison and earned a degree in HVAC. He's now an entrepreneur, motivational speaker, and a key point man. When Trump wants to run a campaign here in, in Texas, who's his first phone call? It'd be Keenan Williams. So, Keenan, welcome to the show, big dog. Honored Thank to have you, me, man. Buddy. I appreciate you, man. Thank <laughs> you so much. Um, interesting way of how I got connected with you. So, having a conversation. Very interesting. <laughs> right? So, yeah, very interesting. Can't so, make it up either. <laughs> straight up. So, J- Jason Lies, big shout out to, to Jason. Jason. Jason, to me, is like a big connector, you know? Yeah. Uh, I met him in a, in a, in a value attainment uh, event, uh, the Sales Leadership Summit in, uh, in uh, West Palm Beach. And, um, and I just moved to Dallas. I was still in Chicago, but I just moved to Dallas. He heard I was moving to Dallas. Right. He said, hey, bro, heard you moved to Dallas. Let me introduce you to some people. So we go, uh, he was hosting a poker game. I got to meet some Marines. got to meet some entrepreneurs. And then he said, a guy that you need to meet is Keenan. Wow. Yeah, right? A guy wow. that you need to meet is Keenan. And then, okay, no problem. I'm looking forward to meeting Keenan, right? And then uh, um, I started to do business with Dr. Gold, with Tony. Yes. Right? And I asked, I asked to make this chain, right? This, this, uh, this, 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 uh, this dog tag, right? Yeah, that's a nice piece, this, too. This, this piece, right? So when I'm picking this up from Tony, who do I meet? You. That was crazy. That was a crazy meeting. At that time. <laughs> neither one of us was supposed to be there. Correct. We both pulled in spontaneously. It was a divine appointment. Man, moment. it was very divine. And, and, and there was someone else had talked about you. And wow. said, you, Tony had, had mentioned you. Wow. Because I went and had a piece made. Tony made a ring for me, my ring for me. Wow. And we're sitting here talking. He says, there's a guy that you just have to meet. <laughs> I'm like, okay, who? And he says, Matt. I said, Matt, what's his last name? He says, Apollo. I said, man, you're like the third person that's told me that. Who is this guy? You know, <laughs> where's this guy at? You <laughs> who know? is this masked man? <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and here we are. We met, and, and it's just a God moment, man. Yeah, 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 just very divine moments. So. Yeah, for sure. So um, let, let's, let's, I, listen, I'd love to get to know you and our audience get to know you. So um, if I was with you, you're from Grand mm-hmm. Prairie, right? Yes. If don't I'm tell good. anybody, though. Okay. <laughs> well, a lot of cops know you, <laughs> Grand Prairie, you know. All of them. O- over uh, <laughs> the old school ones, anyway. How, how many arrests? How many arrests came? About 40 uh, man, some? Man, over 45. 45 arrests. over 45. So they know you. you Between got, Dallas, Fort Worth area, and, you know, West Texas. Gotcha. You got like a yeah. locker. You got a locker at the, uh, <laughs> the jail yeah. cell. They know yeah, you. Yeah, I stopped counting at 45, so. But if, if, I was, if I was hanging with you, let's say I'm, I'm with you in high school, uh, and I, I'm with you in class. Who, who's Kenny Williams in high school? You would never guess in a million years. That that would have transpired, because Keenan Williams in high school was a football player, um, worked hard, gym rat, didn't smoke, didn't drink, didn't do drugs, yeah. uh, had fun, yeah. voted most likely to succeed. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so you know, aspirations and seeing the NFL, it was all there. That was the Keenan Williams from high school. Huh. 
lots of friends. Okay. You know, so uh, were you a part of the popular crowd then? Extremely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was one of the popular guys. Okay. I was a jock. Was sure. Player, good football player, you know. So, um, and what you position know, you play? Small, uh, linebacker and defensive yeah. tackle. Yeah. I'd go back and forth with that. Athletic you know, guy. Like, Athletic guy, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, letters from colleges, man. It was always crazy and. Um, but that was the only dream that I had because of where I was from. Okay. You know, where I'm from was limited to what you could dream about, sure. unfortunately. Sure. Um, and people say, well, you know, we all have choices. And I tell people, I said, well, you know, when you walk into a restaurant, you know it's a steak restaurant, but you don't know what the sides are until someone hands you the menu. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times in certain geographics, people are not handed the menu of life. So they're limited to what they can see. You know, that's why I say, show me your hero. I'll show you your future. You know, who's your hero? That's who you're going to mimic. That's who you're going to chase. So yeah. for me, it was football because it was a way out of the gotcha. poverty, a way out of the hood, you know. Who, who's, who's a, uh, were you more of a pro guy uh, following the pro? The oh, pro yeah, league, Or were you a college oh, guy? Yeah. No, 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 I was a pro guy. You're pro. Always, yeah. who, who's your team, yeah. Cowboys? Come on, man. <laughs> I'm riding down with them boys, man. Watch it, man. Watch it. <laughs> What? Love the Cowboys. The boys. <laughs> Bobby, do you know what uh, uh, Jerry Jones' first job was? What was it? Selling insurance. Really? <laughs> Selling insurance my industry. So I'm like, wow. It wasn't oil and gas. His father owned an insurance company and gave him ownership in an insurance company. And then he honed his sales skills selling insurance. Okay. And then when his dad sold the insurance company, he made mm-hmm. millions doing that and he just flipped that into oil and gas. And that's, But he took the sales skills from selling insurance. Into oil and gas. Same skills, same just skills. different product. That's right. Yeah, same skills, different yeah. product. That's right. Okay. Once you learn certain skills, you just got to. And now he's Jerry Jones. Now he's Jerry Jones. He's a beast. Number one f- franchise in the NFL. He's a beast. Game. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah. So for sure. Uh, have you had any interact by speaking of Jerry Jones? Have you had any interaction with Jerry? Uh, actually, I did yeah. years ago. Uh, I used to. I started a sign company uh, called Sign for Life. <laughs> Very uh, appropriate name. <laughs> man, it was, yeah, it was. It was really cool though. Uh, you know, I had never looked at a gasoline price because I did very well. And so you don't look at prices. You just go in and you just buy what you want, right? For sure. Yeah, fill them uh, up. Which is, which is a mistake. Which yeah. is a mistake, all right? You know, yeah, yeah. I knew how to make money, but no one taught me how to manage it. There's a difference, sure. right? So, man, this one day, I'm like, okay, I'm going to look at the gas prices so I can start. I want to do better mm-hmm. at the money that God's blessing me with, you know. And I looked up at the gas price and I couldn't see it. The sign. Like, man, can't even see the stinking sign. I don't even know what the price is. And at the gas station. At the gas station. Shell gas station. Never forget it. Never forget it. Never forget it. Never forget it. It was oxidized. And I said, man, somebody needs to clean that sign. And I heard a voice inside of me say, you clean it. I said, clean that sign. Man, Matt, all day I'm driving, I'm seeing all these dirty signs. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to get to the story. The, the reticular so, activator got activated. Man, it's yeah. just activated now, right? <laughs> you know, so I call a couple of people and I say, hey, man, I think God's telling me to clean the sign. It's like, oh, that's crazy. Nobody, find out nobody's doing that. And um, there's, sign, there's sign hangers. People that create the signs, but there's no sign cleaners. There's no, no, not at all. You either yeah. buy a new one or you wow. replace it, wow. right? Man, I call this company, won't say the company. I'm not supposed to say it. I call this company, and I'm like, hey, I'm asking some, you know, uh, just roundabout questions about chemicals and stuff like that. I'm trying to figure these signs out. I'm trying to, I'm, I really know I got something, right? Yeah. Man, and the guy is answering the questions. It's not a girl. It's a guy. And then he says to me, hey, you know what, man? I am so sorry, but I'm one of the chemists. I just happened to be walking by, and I picked up the phone because the secretary wasn't here. I said, really? 
He said, but I like your question, so won't you give me a call? Here's my cell phone number. This guy gives me a cell phone number. Man, we're going back and forth, finally figuring out some things. I start testing some signs, right? Uh, the, down his, off of 35. His product. His product. His product. We, we, he made me a product. So, wow. um, so I'm down 35 going to Austin one day, and I see this company on the, the, the east side of the, the, the freeway, and it's a guy that sells old signs. That's why wow. I started testing my products. Wow. That's Man, nice, I finally got it, Matt. And the first day I did a pun, Doc, Doc Pond Shop in Arlington, it turned out so well. I left the left side dirty and I cleaned the right side, so it was before and after. I ended up cleaning 12 stores that day for that company. And I ended up making like $25,000 in one day cleaning signs. So <laughs> it was crazy, right? So I it, then twenty five grand cleaning signs in one day. Legit, in one day, I had all the, you know, you got to make noise when it's when people are paying money. You got to <laughs> you got to put the fluff on it, right? So I got all the, I got gloves on, I got mask, I got everything like it's respirator. Just yeah, oh yeah, man, yeah. you know, like you touch these <laughs> chemicals. Uh, what you might pass out or die if you touch these chemicals. You know, <laughs> it was so funny, and, and it worked. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I started hitting places, man. I was doing Wendy's. I was working a deal with Exxon Mobil. I was on TBN. I was on Daystar talking about really, yeah, talking about the vision that God gave was me. Was this your first like, legit, bus legit business? No, no, no. I was already, okay. I already had um, a logistics business. Okay. So I was already doing very well. I had about six warehouses that I was contracting okay. with. Okay. You know, so I was killing it right there. Okay. But you wanted and to add a vertical. You know, I wasn't even intention. I wasn't right. intending to do that. It just right. happened. Yeah. You know, uh, because we're very creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, God gave Adam a tree. He didn't give him a chair and a table. That's right. And he had to name all the animals. <laughs> he had to name all the animals, you know, so, which is a beast, you know, yeah, and yeah. all the birds and sure. all the creatures, you know, so, uh, you know, when we're, when we're tapped into him, that creativity is just there, yeah. you know, it's just going to yeah. be automatic. Mm -hmm. and man, long story short, so I'm cleaning signs and I, I called the old Texas stadium. A guy named Ron, Ron, Ron Underwood uh, was managing for Jerry at the time. And Ron just retired a few, a uh, couple of years ago, I think. Long story short. I went out, I talked with Ron, I kept going, I kept going, I kept pressing in. He said, let me get back with you, let me get back with you. But I didn't wait for him to get back with me. I got back with him. Okay. Right? Yeah, 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 because yeah, persistence and consistency. Yeah, yeah, excellence demands an opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Are you with me? Uh -huh. It demands one where there is not one. So I was demanding an opportunity to show him what I can do. At the end of the day, I worked out a deal with them. And the old Cowboy Stadium, all the big signs that went around the stadium, I cleaned all of those wow. for Jerry. And so part you, of my you, you agreement did, was... You did a proposal and all that stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I got paid and made, did great on that, right? My deal was is that once that was done, I would do be able to do a, a handshake on the star and Jerry would endorse my company because I wanted to do the entire NFL. Oh, wow. Right? And then all of a sudden some things happen. A guy buys into my company and steals everything. Anyway, that's another story. But that was my interaction with Jerry. You know, which right. was a big accomplishment. You yeah. know, it was really cool. Man, I'd be 50 feet in the air. Gotcha. On this lift, and yeah. I was afraid of heights. Gotcha. So, okay, so you're this guy in, in, in high school, yeah. football standout, Mr. Popular. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where did it start declining? My, my senior year, the very first game, I got hit and tore my ACL. Mm. So back then, tearing your ACL was like You're a done. big deal. You didn't come back back no, then. No, you can no. come back now, but yeah. not back then. It's like booby, booby, and yeah, uh, yeah. Friday Night Lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're done. It's a wrap. Yeah. You're done, son. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
And I tore my ACL, go to the hospital, and I'm there. My parents didn't come in. They don't come see me, which is strange. So this doctor walks in, and he looks at me, and he says, hey, ACL's torn. You'll never be able to play football mm. again. So now the dream that I lived for from preschool, because yeah. I started playing when I was five years old, yeah. is shattered. Yeah. And uh, yeah. when that dream is shattered at 17 years old, you don't know how to dream again. That's where parents come in, that instruction, that mentorship. And so I go home, and uh, then my parents were getting a divorce. Hmm. So my dream shattered. Parents are getting a divorce. I didn't know how to deal with that trauma. It was like a double trauma on me. I ended up quitting high school with like two weeks left and joined a game. Did you end up graduating? No, I didn't. Wow. No. So, so I quit. Well, there was no, I didn't see the reason for education. No one ever told me education was important. They just pushed football, 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 football. Gotcha. When the package deal should have been football, but yeah. education and football. Yeah. Right? There's not a plan B. It should have all been in the plan A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I quit. I joined the game in 1986. So from 1986 to 1993, I was shot six times, you know, robbing drug houses, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, I, by the way, I liked your explanation of why you robbed drug houses because you do business with those guys, you know where they're at. Well, I know where the money is and I know where the drugs were, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, I went to prison for aggravated robbery and I tell people I was a, you know, I wasn't a regular robber. I didn't rob like old ladies with purses, you know right, what I mean? Right, right. I robbed a drug dealer, so I was, I had some etiquette about my robbing skills, you know what right. I mean? I was an ethical robber, you right. know? You kept uh, it in the, in, the, in the crime scene. Yeah, yeah, not, I kept not, it in the crime scene. I didn't yeah. go outside of that, you know? Uh, yeah, I know I was shot six times, arrested over 45 times. Wow. Last four years, so I started selling crack cocaine because that's when crack cocaine hit the streets mm -hmm. in the hood, right? And so by 87, 88, 87, 88, uh, I got hooked on crack. I started smoking the crack cocaine. Tired you taking your own supply. Yeah, yeah, I started getting high on my own supply. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew that. I didn't even do drugs. Yeah. I did it one time and I was hooked. <sighs> Matt, one time it was a wrap. I was done. It's a word to youth out there, man. It's a word to the One yeah. time I tried it. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I'll just do it one time. Well, I'm not a drug addict. Well, I don't do any drugs. I don't even drink at the time. I'm just yeah. thinking, okay, you know what? I'll just try it one time. Yeah. Partying with some girls. Sure. <laughs> right? Did it. Get hooked. And for, then by time, you know, by eight, 1989, from 89 to 93, I was homeless. Sleeping on the streets, houses, no lights, no gas, no so water. Folks kick you out, get of out of Of course. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Okay. you know what? I could have always went back to my mom's. I've been with my dad, but I refused to bring that life to my family because I knew that that life was very dangerous. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just had this line that I put and said, yeah. you know what? I'm not going to bring this to my family. And I ended up being homeless. Man, I sleep in houses and wake up with 20 people and I don't know who anyone a is. trap house, huh? Yeah, a trap house. And, <laughs> you know, I remember times, man, I'd be smoking crack cocaine and crying at the same time. And people look like, man, why are you crying? And I say, you know what? Because this is not what I chose for my life. This is not who I am. This is not what yeah. I want to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember nights staying up all night, two, three, four days at a time. And yeah. man, I remember Sundays would hit, and I'd been up for four or five days. Yeah. And I knew it was Sunday because people had the nice clothes on mm -hmm. and the big hats. You know, the church folks. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I didn't like church people. I hated Christians, man. <laughs> Man, I made How a come? vow. Judgmental? I, man, they were extremely judgmental. I'm better than you, crowd. 
I'm better than you. Yeah. You don't belong. Yeah. Uh, you're trash. Yeah. You know, who do you think you are? Yeah. People would say things like to me, like, get a job, quit doing drugs, do something with your life. And I'm saying on the inside, yeah. tell me how. Yeah. Right? Just don't point a finger and point me in the right direction. Don't point, you, right. Yeah. You, don't point a finger and point me in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to point a finger, Man, point me in the right direction. Get out of the car and pray with me and give me some instruction. <laughs> don't criticize me. So I, I still hear sometimes the doors locking when I was on that corner. Ah, click, ah, click, oh, gotcha. click. And there were two types of door locks. There was the door lock where there were people who were afraid of me or didn't know what I would do mm -hmm. because I'm standing on the corner, right? But then there was the door lock of the people who looked at me as though I were trash or they made those statements. And that, that heart hurt me. So they were, to me, that's what a Christian was. Yeah. And I said I would never become one of those, ever. Said I'd never become a Christian. I would never, ever do that. Because that's all I knew about God. So how much time did you spend in, in prison? Was I ended years? up getting, man, I ended up getting six years in prison. They gave me, sentenced me to six years, and I did all six years because wow. I was an idiot, right? You know, wow. I was in there boxing and doing crazy stuff and, you know, staying in trouble. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so you did your full time. There's no, I, no, yeah, no, no they time gave off. it to me, and I did all of it, right? Okay. But but it was a blessing because. Well, it's, it's, it, it could have been worse. You could have got more time. Man. Yeah. I'm telling you, when I got there, yeah. every guy that was my cellmate would have 45, 50, 60 years for something less than what I did. Wow. I never could figure that out, so I never told people how much time I had. Because I, I had aggravated, six years aggravated. I went, I went to prison for aggravated robbery, deadly weapon, bodily mm -hmm. injury, unlawful carrying a weapon, assault charges, terroristic threat, un unauthorized use of motor vehicle, forgery, uh, you know, uh, conspiracy. You know, I was, it was gang-related. Yeah. So for me to get six years, and I didn't even know, I don't even know who my attorney was. I don't know who the judge was. Public, public defender? The only person defender. that I knew in that process was the police officer, the detective, yeah. who, who sent me to sure. prison. Yeah. And, it was, and the only reason I remembered him in the process is, you know, it was the way that he carried himself with me when they were looking for me. And uh, they were like... Man, dogs, they had helicopters, I had aggravated Bro, kidnapping. Oh, you had the whole department yeah, after you. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And then they were harassing my my family and got my How brother on the ground. And, you know, yeah, um, yeah. and they knew I carried a gun, so it made it it made it made worse, you know what I mean? And so I remember calling him, yeah. uh, his name is Alan Patton. So I called Alan, and I said, hey, this is Keenan Williams. I know you're looking for me. Um, you know, if you give me 24 hours to spend with my family, I'll turn myself in. And he says, I've never done that, but if you keep your word, I'll keep mine. I'll give you 24 hours to spend with your family. Yeah. And I remember going to Grand Prairie, and I remember seeing police parked by the house, standing on the side of the house at my grandmother's, and nobody moved. Because he, he gave me, you 24 hours. He gave me 24 hours. He had never done that before. He gave me 24 hours. That spoke, that spoke volumes to me. That spoke integrity on his end. That told me that he was not a white cop after a black kid. Mm. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. It denied, it, it, it really, it said everything that you've ever heard about that yeah. to me, for me, yeah. was untrue. He respected you. And there's a he certain showed amount, me respect, and, man, and yes, certain amount of dignity yes. behind that. He, he showed me, I'm just a police officer, I'm doing my job, you're a person, this is what you can do. And man, man, let me tell you something. He gave me... 
responsibility for the first time in yeah. years that no one else has given me and respect. So the next day I turned myself in. I went down and I turned myself in. I said, here I am. There's no one else. I'm the yeah. only one. You got me. Let's go. I wonder if that comes from the, co the coaching and accountability you had as an athlete to your coach. A lot of it, you know what? Those things kicked in because even though I grew up in the hood, I was, we were bust because there was still integration going on in the 70s. They took like four streets in my community, and we were bust to the neighborhood, to Arlington schools. Right. So on those wow. streets that I lived on, so I would go to a school that was 90-something percent white. So it was very beneficial and, ad, ad, you know, it was advantageous because yeah. I grew up in the hood, but I went to school in the neighborhood. Uh -huh. So it, it allowed me to be very fluent in any arena, any arena yeah. with any people. Yeah. Does that make sense? Was, yeah, because you can associate with multiple I can associate, backgrounds. It, and, it didn't matter. Yeah. It, was, it was like Moses. It was like Moses, you know? <laughs> I mean, dude, you got to think Moses was born a Hebrew, but he grew up Egyptian. Uh, right. Are you with that's me? Right, that's right. So his capacity was different. Yeah. To where God could use him yeah. because he understood the movement in the palace, That's right. but he understood the pain of the Hebrews. Right. That's you, right. you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And so I related to him when I got there. But go ahead, you're about mm. to ask me something. No, I, I wanted to show the news clip of you and your best friend of this whole process. He's one of my best friends. is someone that I trust with my heart. Guys, you're not going to believe who Kenan's best friend is in this whole entire process of his story of redemption and recreating himself. Let's, let's check out this news clip. You know, there are plenty of people who believe you should lock up a criminal and then throw away the key. But then there's, well, then there's this story, a convict who years later thanked the cop who sent him to prison. Kevin Reese explains in this WFAA original. The streets of Grand Prairie were once the playground of a young man named Keenan Williams, a high school dropout whose mugshots could fill their own book. Drug dealer, a crack addict, an armed robber, arrested and jailed 45 times. I share my story and I talk about the things that I've gone through. So why on a late October morning? But I went to prison for aggravated robbery. Was he here? I've arrived. Telling his story. I started kicking in drug houses and robbing people. That's why I got shot five times. To a group of Grand Prairie police officers. Because this is not supposed to happen. This doesn't make sense. Well, let's back up to the state prison mugshot of a skinny little kid on his way to prison for six long years. I just started robbing drug houses because mm. I knew all the drug dealers because that's who I was. <laughs> that's how I ended up getting shot so many times, you know, being an idiot. But this isn't just a story about a self-professed reformed idiot. It's also about who the ex-con is sitting next to. That I care about people. It's just who I am. This is retired detective Alan Patton, and on one day back in 1993 with Keenan's world of drugs and guns and run-ins with the law closing in around him. Keenan reached out to me and asked for 24 hours to basically say goodbye to his family. He offered Keenan his first moment of respect. I basically instructed the police officers in Grand Prix to leave Keenan alone for 24 hours, and they did. And so Keenan, the drug dealer, the toughest thug in Grand Prairie, willingly turned himself in. You didn't judge me. You did your job. You were not a bad police officer trying to arrest me because I was a black man. The way you conveyed it, for that moment, I accepted the responsibility of that crime. Man, that sealed the deal for me. I knew right then that, I knew my life was about to change. I'm about to go to prison for a long time. <laughs> and I did. But at least going to prison. Oh, you're still crying over it, bro. I'm not gonna be doing crack cocaine anymore. Amen. I don't okay, have to worry okay, about hurting people anymore. I don't have to worry about people. You know, that's deep, man.
That's deep. And, and for those of you that, yeah. that for those of you want to see the full segment, it's going to be in the description of the YouTube description here below. Um, Raul, talk to me about your redemption story. Talk to me what started turning things around. So take, take me from that point. Okay, so I'm about four years into prison. Uh, I'm still angry. I'm still frustrated. I'm still in unbelief that I'm in prison. Mm -hmm. I'm Keenan Williams. I'm in prison. What am I doing here? You How old are you? I mean, I went when I was, um, I think I was 20-something years old, 25, 24, 25, wow. like that. 25, yeah. And I'm blown away because I'm still trying to grab a hold of the reality of I'm not in the NFL like I dreamed that I would be. And I'm in a place of prison where I thought I would never be. I go to prison. My friends go to college. So all of these thoughts, I'm angry at my parents, you know, yeah. why they were not there for me in a different way. I'm angry at society for not teaching me or showing me or sharing. I'm angry at Christians for not, I'm angry at everybody. Yeah. So I did something, I started, that, that, when I started dealing with that reality four years in, I started talking to God about that reality because I hadn't talked to God in years. I was angry at him, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was watching these cats, the Muslims, how in order they were, how disciplined they were. I knew I needed some discipline in my life to be able to change things around. And so I became a Muslim. Wow, no kidding. So what is it? Yeah, it was I became a Muslim. Jesus moment. It was a no. Oh, it, that was, that a, was a, not a about Muhammad Jesus moment. at the time. It wow. was. It was. Uh, no, okay. it was. It was about a lie at the time. And and I liked the way they carried their Quran. I liked the way they looked out for each other. Mm -hmm. You know, Muslims was respected by all the gang members. It's gang member. Mm -hmm. So I changed my name to Ishmael Akhtab Rahib. Became a Muslim. But I did not, I would go and wash my hands, wash my feet, wash my nose. I would do all that. I would go to mosque with the Muslims. I would do the prayers. But I wasn't moved internally. I was still angry. I was still frustrated. Um, I was still all of those things. And... There were ministries that were coming in and out. You know, one ministry in particular that always, that got my attention, because there was one little guy that was, he freaking come to my cell, man. I was in the aggravated side, A building, right? Because that aggravated crime. So higher higher security. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was high security, yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was high security. This little bitty guy, man, always come over there and he come tell me about Jesus loving me. <laughs> And, man, and you got Jesus your, uh, you got me. your Muslim, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I didn't change, man, you know, I'm rolling now, I got my Quran in my hand, I'm feeling good, you know, and I still have a lot of respect for the Muslim faith. I'd never condemn anyone yeah. else's faith. Does sure. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I don't own heaven or hell, that's between you and God. By, by the way, I think Muslim and Christians, if you look at it, we, have, we come from the same dad. It's really, really close, right, you know? And, and the uh, same God. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was really, really close, man, yeah. and... and this one ministry just kept coming in and out. This guy told me, look, you know what am I going to preach to you? I said, man, I don't like Christians. You guys are this. He says, look, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. So do I. And so there was a riot one day, and everyone gets locked down, and I'm in the cell by myself. So I'm having a conversation with God. I had never read a Bible in my life. Okay. Man, I'm talking, I'm talking. So the lights would shut off at 10, okay. and then they would come back on at 4, and then they would give you the breakfast. Okay. Right? This bag was horrible. Horrible. Worst food in the entire world, right? I never had a good day in prison. So <laughs> even after being saved, it was horrible every day, right? Man, Matt, lights go out. I'm talking to him. I close my eyes to go to sleep. The lights come back on. 
So now I'm like, okay, maybe they're getting ready to come in. They're getting ready to shake it down. They're getting ready to come talk to me. They're getting ready to pull me out and ask me questions about mm-hmm. the ride. And then the breakfast, they throw the bag in. I'm like, what, what, what time is it? Yeah. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. I talked to him from 10 to 4, six hours. Okay. T- time was not even of essence when okay. I was talking. I didn't even know I talked to him. Matter of fact, all that day, I was trying to figure out if maybe I fell asleep and I just didn't know it. Wow. Or maybe I was daydreaming. I just didn't know it. Maybe I thought that's what... I couldn't figure it out. I didn't realize that in getting and having prayer, talking to God sometimes, he would take you out of the reality of time. Into so a it place was a of prayer eternity. to God. It wasn't a Muslim called a prayer. No, it was me prayer. talking to him. It was just me talking. It was just a straight talk. I told him I didn't appreciate what had happened in my yeah. life. Why wasn't he there? The cool part is that he never came at me wrong. It didn't make me feel a certain way. Yeah. So the next day I tried it again because it felt good. Yeah. Lights go out. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this again, right? See, what? This time I said, I'm even willing to consider the Jesus thing if that's what it takes for me to change my life and yeah. for me to do you know, what you've called me to do, because I knew that there was purpose in me. Mm-hmm. Even as a gang member, I was a leader. Mm-hmm. As a crackhead, I was a leader. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was always there. The gift was always there. Dude, I said that I didn't know I was praying a prayer of salvation. So I said, I'm okay with the Jesus thing if that's what it takes. Man, I get baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm speaking in tongues. I'm running around a cell. I have no idea what just what has happened to me. I got goosebumps. I'm screaming, I'm yelling. Yeah. The guards are at the door because they think I've lost my mind at this yeah. point because people lose their mind. Yeah. They're getting ready to come in yeah. and grab me yeah. because I'm flipping out. Yeah. And all I could tell them is that Jesus is real yeah. and something has invaded me and yeah. I can't control it. It's the Holy Spirit moving. So later. my experience yeah. Yeah. with God and his reality was different. But it took that for me because, you know, my sin was so deep, mm-hmm. grace had to get deep on, sort of right. like he had to send me in the shock like he did Paul. He had to yeah. hit him off the horse and blind him. Yeah. And he did that to me. And that day, man, I knew that Jesus was real. Yeah. And when they let me out, I left the gangs. Uh, I started reading my Bible, you know. What did your Muslim brothers say? They didn't understand it, but it didn't matter. Okay. Because the Christian brothers also had something to say. Got it. But that didn't matter either. I was just a different cat. I got consumed with the word, and all that mattered is what he said. Got it. And I started believing things like, so is a man thinketh, so is he. I started believing that if Paul said, there's one thing I do. Man, that was the coolest scripture. He said, there's one thing I do is I forget those things that are behind, and I press forward towards the mark of the prize. And I said, okay, God, you're talking to me. I got to forget those things that are behind me. I got to press forward towards the mark of the prize. And then I had to figure out what is the prize. Yeah. Right? And then Romans 12 and 2 says, be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you, Kenan, can prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. Because I saw cats that... We're worshiping and praising, but there was no transformation. Sure. And salvation wasn't enough for me. I wanted to know, I wanted to know about transformation. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to do something different. Yeah. And so I started learning about the law of subtraction. God taught me the law of subtraction. I started subtracting wrong people from my life, wrong thoughts <laughs> from my life, wrong places from my life, wrong movies, Did it come wrong with books. The, the power of addition to? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Uh, but that law of subtraction was good. It was yeah. necessary for me. Gotcha. You're different. You didn't have to really do a lot of law of subtraction, right? 
I had to decide who I was not. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had so I was so out of place. Yeah. I had to decide who I was not before I could discover who I was. Yeah. Are you with yeah. me? Yeah. And sometimes when we're there on the left side and you try to mix the right side in, mm -hmm. that's where the perversion comes. That's where the twist come in. That's right. So God taught me law of subtraction. And I put that there and I said, you know what? I am not a gang member. I'm not a crackhead. I'm not an ex-felon. I'm not I'm none of those things. Yeah. I'm a new creature created in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become new for me. And I started living that way. I learned the law of honor. I started honoring the inmates. I was honoring the guards. I was honoring, you know, I was honoring everyone because, you know, God's commandments is about honor. Mm -hmm. Right? And I, I realized that when I honored them, God would honor me. And it wasn't based on how they treated me. It wasn't based on what they did. It was based on my decision. Mm -hmm. And so I started operating in the law of honor. I started operating in the law of place, learning those things, you know. and That's what and, the cop did. He honored you as a man. He honored me as a man. Hours. He honored me as a man. You and know? in return, you honored him back by keeping yes. your word. Yes. Yeah. You know, that wow. law of honor is important. That's right. You know, honor creates, honor, honor. That's what we miss out today. Honor creates opportunities yeah. that your yeah. gift doesn't. It'll open the door that your gift will not open. Yeah. If you just learn how to honor people. He says, give, you know, give honor to honor to those who honor is due. And so I started doing that, you know, Matt. And it started, I watched things change in my life in prison internally. Like I was, I would sit up at the freaking table because mm -hmm. in prison you got like seven minutes to eat when you sit down. You got to eat like a mad, <laughs> you know. Eating out tastes later. What? <laughs> what? There was no taste, taste anyway. <laughs> ain't no taste. What? You just got to avoid the, the grasshoppers and the bugs that are in there. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes you got to eat like this, you know. They were crunching. Look, crunch protein, you know what I mean? <laughs> It's what he's, he talked about Paul, man. One of my favorite scriptures of his was, uh, you know, you, I, mean, I may be pressed but not crushed. Yeah. Perplexed by not in despair. Yes. Persecuted by not in man. Struck yeah. down but never yeah. destroyed. Ooh. Come on, oh baby. That's you know? what I'm talking about. That right there got me hyped up, man. <laughs> I knew that something was going to happen yeah. because I knew I was going to make it happen. Yeah. You know? And so I forgave my parents. Power forgiveness, man. Wow. Well, I, what, I were had, you what were you blaming your parents for? I was in prison. And they didn't show up? Or, well, my or, mom came to visit me, but uh -huh. why, how did you let me go to prison? Got it. How did you not teach me about education? How did you not grab a hold of me when I was in the midst of my trauma and my pain and give me some guidance and love on me and give me some counseling? Yeah. But here's the, here's the reality. I realized that my parents were still growing up as they were raising me. Yeah. Yeah. And it was not their fault anymore. So I stopped pointing the finger at them and I put it on myself. Yeah. I said, okay, it really is their fault that they didn't do some things right. But it's my problem because I'm the one that's in here. So I took responsibility, yeah. forgave my parents. I forgave everyone that I had that had ever offended me, and then I started looking for the opportunity for them to forgive me. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah. So it's, things started changing right there. You know, I learned yeah. the law of place. I mean, I I, I never forget. I, I understood education would be the key because of Moses. Moses wrote most of the Old Testament because he was educated. Paul writes most of the New Testament because he was educated. Peter's the one who jumps off the boat, walks on the water, but he writes two books. <laughs> Upon this rock. What? Uh, yeah, and that's it. Right, right. He was the one that said that, you know? But but he didn't even write those books because he was yeah. he was illiterate. Yeah. Mark yeah. wrote those books for him, you yeah. know? So I'm oh like, okay, God. Yeah. God, I want to be, I want you to use me to the yeah. capacity by which you have designed me. And God started pressing education on me. So I wrote the warden over 150 letters to get back in school so I can get my GED so that I can go to college. And no answer back, no answer back, no answer. Cause I'm on my jacket, I'm a gang member. 
So as a gang member, I'm at the bottom of the totem sure. pole, right? Yeah. And they think maybe I'm going in to recruit or do whatever. Yeah. And then one day I saw that warden walking across the rec yard. I knew he was walking because I hear the guards on the radio. The warden's like the, the president in prison. Sure. Everything sure. stops. Everybody yeah. is quiet. Everybody's straightening up, you know. I said, okay, the warden's here. My shot. What opportunity, Yeah. right? Preparation. I'm preparing for this moment. Man, the warden, I read them 150 letters, and I saw him going because he had that big cowboy hat. They wear huge hats down there, you yeah. know what I mean? Eclipse-type hat, like cover the sauna. <laughs> Man, I start going around, guys. Guards said, Williams, get back in line. Williams got to say, I got to get to the warden. Williams, get back in line. Williams, come back here. I wouldn't stop. I needed to get to that warden. I finally get close to him and I yell because I saw the guards were getting ready to come in mm -hmm. on me and stop me. They don't know what I'm gonna do. Mm -hmm. I said, Warden Jones, Warden Jones. And he turns around and he says, Williams, I know who you are. If you, if you don't write me any more letters, I'll let you in school. And I said, yes, sir, that's all I wanted. That taught me persistency demands an opportunity when there's not one. I got in school because I understood education was important. In the next two years, I read 248 books. Got my GED, got into college. I knew I needed some college because I needed to create an opportunity for me to get work when I got out. But I had already decided at that point, Matt, if you don't give me a job, I'll create one. You don't have to hire me, I'll hire you. Yeah, it's the, the, the whole ownership mentality. So one of the questions I ask you, by the way, um, Jordan, can we uh, look at my, my computer screen right quick? Because I want to give a quick shout out to a guy that, uh, where I ultimately connected with you. So this is a picture we took. What? Uh, at uh, Dr. Gold's. Oh, Tony? Yeah, Tony, right? <laughs> yeah, right? That's bad. when you and I actually met. Literally, yeah. literally. Is Tony watching right now? I, I, I'm, I'm, either way, I'm going to make sure he, he gets this. But Tony, <laughs> Dr. Gold, I appreciate you, big dog. Thank you, man, for being a connector. And thank you for putting a seed in Keenan's head about, yeah. about me, man. So uh, here we are connecting. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, when, when you're going through, you know, when you're going through a, a period of recreation, you know, for, for, for felons, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes a big mark on their on their on their on their background check is I got a felony. Sure, of right? course. So so for for which by by the way, I believe after a certain period of time they should fall off. But it seems like I'm working on that right now. Amen. I'll allude to that. Okay, I'm working on that. You so can't I, you can't keep making a guy pay a debt exactly, that he's already paid. Yeah, especially with he's young in his life. You Are you exactly, kidding me? Exactly. We're talking about guys ten years, two decades, three decades, and people are saying you have a felony on the rent. Man, that's two decades ago. That's right. That's right. I'm a whole new person. I had yeah. a whole new life. I've yeah. got wife, kids, children, grandchildren. Yeah. No, and we're rests. still talking about no, that, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are we doing? That yeah. that defies what America's all about. Sure. It's unconstitutional. That's right. If yeah. a man can That's pay taxes, impressive. if a man yeah. is working and paying taxes, mm -hmm. if a man is living a productive citizen uh, a life in America, yeah. then he deserves every right that everyone else has. Yeah, for sure. Does that make sense? I'm paying to play. <laughs> You can't keep charging me yeah. for something that I've already paid for. The debt was paid to society by your the time. The debt has already been paid. It's like every day saying, mm -hmm. Jesus, you got to go die again. Yeah. No, he said it, it's finished. It affects job opportunities. It affects you renting. It affects you, you know. It affects just, everything. Yeah. And people look at it, so you can't, you can't work here. You've got a felony on your record. Yeah. I had a guy call me and said, hey, man. Matter of fact, he was on Facebook. He says, hey, can you help me? Yeah. I'm trying to find an apartment to live. My other one flooded, and they keep turning me down because I have a felony on my record. Okay. And I said, how long has this been? He said, 20 years. You're telling me okay. that you think it's <laughs> fair to, yeah. to judge a guy from 20 years ago? He can't find a place to live? Are you kidding me right yeah. now? Yeah. So now you're forcing this guy to go back 
to the place that he does not want to go back yeah. to because the place that you can live is the hood. That's right. Right? That's right. They're not going to check. They don't care about any of that. Or if he can't get him a job, guess who's going to go back to? He's going to go back to doing what he has to do, to do because a man has to survive. That's right. I get that. I don't agree with that, but I understand that. So how, do, how does a felon skirt and maneuver and navigate in the meantime? Before man, I'm going to be honest with you. With me, it's just been the favor of God. Man, I went and got an apartment after prison eight, nine months later, a year, not even a year later. The nicest apartments in Arlington. Walked in, fill out the application. Everybody's laughing. I had my company at the time. I'm killing. I pull up in a 500 SL. Okay. I got my top drop. I got to be right. I'm different, right? Literally, I filled it out. I didn't even think about the background part because there's a scripture that really God always puts to my memory. He says, why are you worried about your background when I told you that mercy and grace will follow you all the days of your life? <laughs> he said, I got your back. I said, okay, then that means that it's got to cover that. Yeah. Before I can get out of the parking lot, they call me and say, hey, you've been approved. And I just kept going. I mean, apartments, houses, it doesn't matter. What about employment opportunities, business opportunities, I, even I in the did, background? How did, what, how did that turn around for you? Matt, I never even, I never had that issue because I created value in whatever I was doing. People don't care where you've been. They care about what you can do. And so because of you the value. You weren't going in there demanding. You didn't have an attitude like you had demanded. No, I went in there and showed that I was a superstar. My first job after prison was the next day in an air conditioning company. I woke up at, at 4.30 in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning like I do in prison. I did my 500 push-ups real quick. I'm brushing my teeth. My mom walks in. Hey, what are you doing? I'm sorry. And I said, I'm going to go get a job. She's like, get a job? What are you? It's, yeah. it's 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. I said, I know, but I'm ready. Because I had already mapped out 10 places that were around the house of the phone book that I was going to walk to the next day. And she said, I'll take you. I said, no, no, don't worry about it. So I walk around the corner of the first place on Arkansas Lane. We lived in Arkansas, first place. I leave out of the house, walk there, standing there. It's about 530 in the morning. And I've got my air conditioning certificate with me because I took it in prison. And I've got my white T-shirt. I have no clothes. i got a white T-shirt and some jeans. Right? They kick you out of prison with $50 in a bus ticket and say, go live. I took $25 and I sold it into somebody's life because I believe in sowing and reaping. Mm. Right? So I sold seed immediately after I came out. I walked around there, man. It's 530 in the morning. I'm feeling good. My shoulders are like really big because I stayed in the field the whole time. Right? I was an idiot. So stayed in that sun and working in the fields. Little bitty short white guy walks around the corner. I scared the crap out of him. He jumps. I said, sir, it's okay. I'm just here to get a job. He said, <laughs> I mean, you know, imagine. I'm by the bushes, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm one of them dudes, you know. So I'm just here to get a job. It's about five thirty. He says, well, young man, you know, it's, come back. We are hiring. About 8 o'clock when my secretary gets here to fill out a question. I said, no, I'll just wait right here. Uh, I read that uh, first impressions could last throughout the day. I don't want to want to ruin my opportunity to work for you. So now he's looking at me. He says, hold on. He goes in. He comes back to give me maybe 10 minutes later. Brings me in his office. It's 5.45 in the morning. Sits me down at his desk. He said, now you, you know, why are you here so early? I said, well, I just explained that to you. I said, here's my certificate from college, air conditioning refrigeration. I want you to know that I just got out of prison. There's no one that you have that can outwork me, has more integrity, that will make your company more beneficial than me. Six o'clock that morning I was working on the first crew. 30 days later I was running my own crew. 60 days later, I'm running all of the crews. 90 days later, 
I'm helping him go land contracts and I'm helping him run the company. Didn't even know that that gift was in me. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I did certain things yeah. that other guys didn't do. They would leave. They would get off from work at six and they take off to go and go have a drink. Sure. I didn't drink. I haven't had a drink since 1993. Wow. Right. They leave to go get a drink. It's been hot all day, man. They want a beer. I'd stay at the office, and I would clean the tools up, and then I would line them up in front of the doors for the trucks. So when the guys come back in, because I also read that employees spend 50% of their time looking for something that's not where it's supposed to be. So he would come out and say, hey, why do you do that every day? And I said, because employees spend 50% of their time looking for something that's not where it's supposed to be. I want to make sure that this company is efficient. We're number one air conditioning company in the country. And this guy's like, man, this cat is different, right? I did that every single day. Now the guys are watching me. He's watching me. Now I'm running all the crews. Long story short, six months later, I walk into a warehouse. I visit my dad. I tell him that I can do something logistic-wise. He gives me an opportunity, talks to the owner. They give me an opportunity, and I killed it. So then I went from myself to like over 20-some employees the first year out of prison and made $120,000 from 98 to 99. Wow. That's a, big, that's a lot of money back then. I was fresh out of prison. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> then I went to contracting with Liggett Meyer, R.J. Reynolds, Brandon Williams, T-checks, checks, all these trans checks. And now I'm learning business. I'm learning the mathematics of it. Yeah. I'm understanding the relationships. I'm talking to these companies. This is an ex-felon talking to companies, and they're paying me money and trusting me, right? They didn't care about where I had been at that point. They cared about the value that I was bringing to logistics, and I became very good at what I did. I went from one warehouse to five warehouses. I went from... 20 employees to about 78 employees very, very quickly. Yeah. You know, over a period of four years, I went up to five. My third year out of prison, I made one point, like $1.4 million. You know, then the next year I made, you know, over $3 million because I had five where I was killing it. And um, As an employee or having ownership of the business? No, those, those are my contracts. So I would uh, go out and go in. So the same system I put at one, one warehouse, I went around a corner to, corner to another one and said, hey, look, this is what I'm doing over there. Why don't you allow me to see what your loads look like? And let but me you're see. doing it for a company, though. I'm doing it for a company. So you're an entrepreneur. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, in other yeah. words, you took the same skills and abilities and moxie as an entrepreneur. Yes. But you're working inside. Like, yes. Kind of like, a, yes. uh, um, you know, like, a, like a Steve Wozniak. You know, he I was became, a 1099. Yeah. I was a contractor. Wow. I became a contractor. Created my own company. Yeah. And... Wow. I went around the corner and told them what I was doing at the other warehouse. Yeah. They gave me an opportunity, and then I landed a contract there. And then I went and grabbed the lady and brought her in because I understood women were very influential, and I wanted her to be able to run everything. I did that five times. See, that's what a lot of people uh, fail to understand is that you may not be an entrepreneur. You may not have your LLC. You may not have, have mm -hmm. to raise capital, get a bank loan, you know, you know, be in compliance with tax code. You can partner with an entrepreneur. There's all kinds of ways and, to partner. And still have the upside opportunity. And just work under their umbrella. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at Stephen Ballmer. Stephen Ballmer was the COO of Microsoft, and next thing you know, he's buying the LA Clippers. That's crazy. <laughs> yes, that's you know crazy. So, yes, you know, yes. Uh, th by the way, that's how I built my business with Patrick Bed-David. Really? Mean, I gave him his number one guy. Okay. And because uh, I asked myself, do I want to be in charge of legal compliance? Do I want to have a commissions department? Do I want to attack? No, I just want to go out there and... Evangelize a message and Amen. build yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to worry about all that crud, right? And so instead of worrying about myself and having to operate in all those areas, let me just partner with PBD, and they say, you know, boom, you know, little, you know, just a little, you know. But you were working hard. Yeah, and, for sure. and you worked as yeah. though nobody owed you anything. 
Right. Or and an that's expectation that anybody owe you anything. Yeah. Yes. Nobody yeah. owe me anything. Yeah. I owe it to myself to be right. successful. Yeah. And that's been my mentality. Yeah. Straight out of prison. You don't yeah. owe me anything. Yeah. I don't need you to give me. I don't need no reparations. God taught me preparations. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs reparation when I have preparation? Preparation okay. is the proof of your faith. <clears throat> you can tell me you have faith, but if you're not preparing on what you're talking about, then you're really not acting in faith. Mm. You're talking foolishness right now. Mm. So God taught me preparations that jumped over the reparations mm. and that and preparation, reparations is reparations is finite. There's an end to it. Right? There's preparation an end to it. Is, is infinite. I'm still yeah. giving someone else control of my financial future. Nobody has control over that. Come I on, control speak. that. I just had a uh, uh, Tony Hills. You know, Tony. Yes, yeah, of course. Tony Hills. So I, I asked him the same question. I said, because there's a push right now in America to get California right now to push $1.5 million uh, of per, per, per case to get reparations. Those same people to be broken right. six months. Okay, why? By the way, that was his... That was his same same people that they give it to will be broke in six months. That's why Paul said, I pray that you prosper as your soul prospers. Come on. Are you with Come me? Come on, yes. See, if I'm not educating you on how to manage what God is giving you, yeah. then you're going to give it away. Because the people who are already educated on how to get it, how to manage it, are mm -hmm. going to get it from... Money is called currency for a reason. It's, gotcha. it's a current. It's a cost of flow. Gotcha. It's always a constant flow. And then there are people who know how to get in the flow and pull that money out. I didn't know how to manage mine. Yeah. I made millions of dollars, but I also lost millions of dollars. I tell people all the time, I've been a millionaire twice. Yeah. I've been broke three times. <laughs> but I'm not poor. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Broke is a temporary situation. Yes. Poor yes, is a condition yes. of the spirit. Yes. Um, we, got, we got five minutes left on this thing. I, can, I, I wish we had another hour. But let me ask you this. We've question. been going that long already? Bro, I'm telling you, man, like, it feels like a five-minute convo. Um, uh, uh, here in Texas, our AG just got uh, impeached. All these things—it was horrible, right? Very unconstitutional. Um, what do we have to worry about? And I'm, I'm looking—I'm looking at books like this, brother. Looking at books like this, you know, I'm looking at this books like this. It's perfectly normal. This is in classrooms. Talking about homosexuality, yes, and, you know, the LGBTQ, yes. all that stuff. And, it, and guess what? It's perfectly normal. So, but it's in our public school system. We can't decide who we are. We have to discover who God made us to be. Okay. They're trying to bring decisions to people. And take it away from the way God made them. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You can't decide who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he already said that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Before the foundations of the world, God said, I knew who you were. I know the hairs on your head. They're numbered. Yeah. I have a plan for you. You Amen. were here before you even hit the womb. I knew who you were. Yeah. And so we do, we, our AG, we have the best AG to me in the entire country. The guy fight. Has he made mistakes? Of course he's made mistakes. Mm -hmm. We've all made mistakes. Right. But we can't sit back and allow the other side. When I say the other side, I'm not even talking about a particular party. Mm -hmm. When I say the other side, I'm talking about those in opposition to what God said. Yeah. I don't care what you are. Yeah. You, you can be Republican, Democrat. Lib it doesn't matter to me. Do the right thing. Because if you're not doing the right thing, you're doing the wrong thing. Sure. Right. Yeah. And I know people in the party yeah. that are doing the wrong thing. Yeah. But still hiding it underneath the, the title of the party. So I don't care about that part. I care about doing the right thing. Ken Paxton has been doing the right thing. He's filed the lawsuits. He works hard. He's very personal. I know him personally. You know, he's a good guy. But even right. people inside to the me, Republican Party are, are even stabbing him in the back, aren't they? Of course they yeah. are. But they did that when Abraham Lincoln was, was decided to sign the Emancipation Proclamation. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Abraham Lincoln didn't share that with everybody. Yeah. Because there were a lot of those that had opposition. Listen, when the time comes and you get squeezed, whatever's in you will come out of you. Yeah. Are you with me? I, I think that's the, the big difference between Democrats and Republicans. At least them Democrats, they band together. 
the, the Republicans at least, you know, uh, well, the Republicans, what, my observation, I'm not political at all, but from my observation, they're so competitive, they're mm-hmm. willing to do what they were doing to Ken Paxton. Not willing to stand back and back each other up. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, this is my opportunity, my opportunity. There, so, there's almost a sense of entitlement. Yeah. Or I've arrived. Uh, um, I'm better than you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Versus the other side definitely teams up a little bit better. Right? For sure. Yeah. Definitely teams up better. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm like Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass said that I'm a Republican and I can be nothing else. But I'm not a Republican for anyone else. I'm a Republican for me and him because my belief system lines up with the conservative views. And so I fight. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm going to fight for the kids. I'm going to fight for criminal justice reform. You know, I'm going to fight for the things that are right. I have friends that are liberals. I have friends that are Democrats. For sure. We don't, we don't, we don't point fingers at each other. You, you well, can't judge me. You don't even know me. Exactly. Just because of my, you know. Are you kidding me? Who I vote for. Uh, so what can parents do? From a political, practical standpoint, to say, if I don't appreciate what's going on in school, in your opinion, what can parents do? I mean, that's that's why school choice is important. School choice is is really important because if the school is not complying to what I believe, then I need to take my kid out and put my kid into a school that does believe that the yeah, yeah. that you know that the school is right. Yeah. And then parents have to stand up and they have to fight against this. Kids don't even know who they are yet. Those books are not educating kids; they're indoctrinating kids. That's right. They're convincing kids to be something that they're not. They're children. They will follow a voice. Kids are abducted every single day by someone that they don't even know because that someone gives them a lollipop or gives them a donut or gives them a honey bun. Say, come over here. Come, come, come with me. Come give me a hug. And they don't even know who they are. And they follow that person and then they're gone missing for 20 years. That's an abduction. And that's an abomination to God. That says that when people, when I see that, it says that God was not smart enough to make me. <laughs> I can choose. I can choose <laughs> the way I'm going to be made. My parents, no, God my, already chose that. According to California, your parents need to affirm you. No, God has already <laughs> chose who you are. Now, if you want to do what you do when you're an adult, that's between you and God. Mm-hmm. But stay away from the children. That's right. Leave the children. You got to understand there's only one scripture in the Bible that brings immediate judgment. Only one that has no grace. No grace. Jesus himself said, it's better that you hang a millstone around your neck and be drowned in the sea than to mess with one of these children. Hmm. He left no room for error. He left no room for grace. He's saying, leave the kids alone. If you mess with the kids, you're messing with me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So if we're going to fight for God, we got to fight for these kids. We have to fight for the kids. Amen. Is that wrap up, brother? What's 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 uh, uh, sixty seconds? What's one message you want to give the people out there? I, I want to tell everyone that you know we're in America, we're in the greatest place on earth. Amen. Greatest place on earth. It's the only place on earth that a man can go from where he was into where he is. Right. It's the only place that has a constitution that says we all have a right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. Standing on the constitution, I want you to know that you can become all things through Christ Jesus. Right. I'm foolish enough to believe that. I work for the president of the United States of America because I believe that scripture, right? So you can go, it doesn't matter what you've done. Of course it matters. But if you can stop focusing on what you've done and focus on what you need to do, it can change your life. Two things that don't exist, yesterday and tomorrow. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is hope. It doesn't even exist right now. The only thing we have is now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. God operates in the now, not in yesterday and tomorrow. That's right. He's, he's got that. 
You can do anything you, you want to do. Amen. By the way, I love this conversation, this dialogue. Um, we didn't even finish it. Yeah. We didn't even get to finish it. <laughs> that time flew by, man. <laughs> I talked to, I talked on some things way too long. I, I think we need a part two of this. What do you guys think? If you need a part two of this? Please put yeah, in the comment yeah, section gotta, below for sure. We got to talk sure. about some stuff. Man, we got man. more to talk about for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So listen, make sure you follow Kenan here. Uh, we're going to put up his, uh, his Instagram here in the, in the links in the description below. But with that being said, drop your comments, your thoughts. You agree with us? You don't agree with us? Please Put in the comment section below. And make sure you subscribe to the Millionaire Goals Podcast and smash that like button. From Dallas, Texas, on behalf of Keenan Williams, I'm your money smart guy. And until we meet again, see you next Wednesday. Peace. Until we meet again, continue to live smart, continue to love smart, and be money smart today. <laughs>